take this opportunity to welcome you all to SACPA's presentation today. And I'd like to remind you to please turn off your cell phones. We acknowledge that our events take place on the lands of the Blackfoot people and the Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3, and pay respect to their past, present, and future cultural heritage, beliefs, and relationship to the land. We commit to do our utmost to assist with efforts to mend and heal past and present injustices. My name is Colleen Quintel, and I'm your moderator for today. Um, I'd like to let you know that our talk and the question and answer will be recorded and available on SACPA's website afterwards. Um, Shaw Spotlight also records SACPA's presentations and uses excerpts from any PowerPoint presentations for their daily broadcasts. I'd like to tell you about today's menu. We're having meat pie and salads and everything that goes with that. Um, if you're having lunch, please place $14 in the bowl, $5 for students, and uh, it's $2 if you're just having coffee. Can somebody from each table please ensure that the right amount is in the bowl before it's collected at 12.30? So the format for today will be our usual format of uh, 25 to 30 minutes from our speaker. We'll then have lunch, and then there'll be a question and answer period afterwards, and we'll be finishing around 1.30. Right now, it's my um, privilege to present um, today's topic, which is helping vulnerable people recover. What does success look like? Our um, speaker today is Shauna Panay, and Shauna is going to talk to us about her journey with sobriety. When society says addicts will never change, she is living proof of the contrary. She came from being on the streets for 14 years doing whatever it took to get drugs and alcohol. She went to Streets Alive because they had been working with her for the whole 14 years and never gave up on her. When she was ready for change, they were there for her, giving her housing and a safe place to call home. She actually had a bed to sleep in and ongoing love and support. Now, she is the assistant director of the Streets Alive Genesis program, where she gets to work with women in need bringing them into recovery and seeing them change. I'd like to introduce to you today's speaker, Shauna Panay. Good afternoon, everyone. As, as she said, my name is Shauna Panay. I'm really honored to be able to come here and speak today. I was really excited and, um, and uh, I love, I love speaking and I love uh, telling my story of, of where I was and where I am today. So a little bit about my story is what I'm going to say is I was a, a client at Streets Alive for 14 years. So basically I was on the streets, I was homeless, I had absolutely nothing, I had family that didn't want anything to do with me, I, um, I did anything that I could to get drugs and alcohol. I was, you know, was walking around with dirty. Sometimes I'd be walking around with only like one shoe. They used to call me one shoe Shauna and they actually still do once in a while. <laughs> it's kind of a joke around there. They're like, hey, one shoe Shauna, if they see one shoe lying somewhere and it's kind of funny now, but at the time it, was, it wasn't really funny because I needed a shoe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I started drinking actually at the age of six and I was force fed alcohol. So I learned at a very, very young age how to drink. 
uh, I had an abuser in my life who was feeding me alcohol and being able to do the things that he wanted to. And so at a young age, I knew how what alcohol would do to me and what it, how it made me feel. And it took all my inhibitions away. It made me black out so I actually wouldn't remember things. Um, it took all my feelings away. So I knew already at a young age what, what alcohol would do for me. And, and I started to enjoy it. So as I grew up and into my younger, my later life, you know, and into my teens, I, I realized that alcohol was still a big part of my life. You know, at, at that time, I was only like a weekend drinker, but when I drank and I drank and I partied, I would get completely, ob ob you know, oblivious. I wouldn't remember where I was. I wouldn't remember where I woke up. I wouldn't remember the things happening. And sometimes that was uh, really horrifying for me. And that was, you know, it, it began to be a cycle because all I knew was how to drink. And so all the things that I had done when I was drinking, I was always shameful the next day because either I didn't remember or people would tell me and they'd be like, you did this, this, and this. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I'd done that. You know, and so that would be another reason for right, reason for me to drink. Um, I, I decided when I was 25, I got married, and um, after all the abuse and having a horrible childhood and stuff, I managed to get a job, and I was a functioning part of society. And you know, and I only drank on the weekends, so I thought it was okay. And when I got married, I I, I got uh, pregnant, and four times I had lost a baby. And after the fourth baby, they told me I could no longer have children. And for that, that really devastated me because I always wanted to be a mother and I wanted to be a mother and, and have, a ch have children and bring them up differently than what I was brought up, right? And so that devastated my whole life. And so from there, that's when um, the depression started to kick in and my drinking started to kick in full time. I, I, my husband would come home every night. I'd be completely drunk, passed out. You know, that was just, I was living no life until finally he got to the point where he couldn't deal with me. And I couldn't deal with the fact that I was never ever gonna be able to have children. And so I started to drink and drink really heavy. And my husband had kicked me out. And I remember getting in my car with a basic few things and putting the TV in the back and heading to Lethbridge. And when I ha headed to Lethbridge, I met some really tough going people and stuff. And, you know, next thing I know, I ended up getting impaired. I lost my car. Pretty sure I sold my TV. And I ended up absolutely having nothing and walking the streets of Lethbridge sometimes at night. You know, and I'd, I'd have moments of, of times where I really wanted to get help. And I was, I was in and out of jail as well because of my drinking. I was... Uh, actually assaulting officers and I don't know how little old me would beat up an officer but apparently I did so <laughs> they put me in jail a, a few times for that and um, jail didn't seem to help me at the time I would get out and it was just seem like okay I'm just ready to start my cycle over again and because that's the way and, and with when you when you drink so hard and you do the things that you do you lose all your self-worth you have no pride in yourself. You don't think that you can succeed in life because you've lost everything and you're at the bottom of the bottom, right? And that's what I believed. And so that's what kept me out there for so long because, you know, I remember crying and saying to, to uh, a good friend or a mentor to mine is I, is, I don't know, this hurt and the pain just won't go away, right? And the only way that the hurt and pain would go away was if I decided to... Uh, drink and continue and then all of a sudden I met crack cocaine and I also started doing crack cocaine so now I was addicted to two things and not just one and crack cocaine crack cocaine took me way further than you know with the alcohol as well and I ended up in drug houses and bad places and places that I never ever thought I'd go and 
I remember going to Streets Alive, and, and I had met, actually, uh, Pastor Julie in, in uh, jail. She does a WOW program every Friday afternoon for the women, and I had met her in there. And there was something intriguing about this lady that I didn't know that she, that was, you know, she just had this love and this smile, and she gave the best hugs, and I couldn't figure out what it was that she had that I wanted, right? And so when I had gotten out of jail, I connected with her, and I started, you know, she started offering me some help. and. I would I would take the help and uh, you know she would help me get into detox and treatment and things like that but I wasn't ready at those times that she was offering me because I still had part of me that still wanted to be out there it was really hard to let me go to let go of the lifestyle that I had only known you know for so many years and and that was how I I was living and I didn't know how to change or nor did I feel like I was could change but she was always always there to offer me help and so she uh, she never ever gave up on me. She always always believed on me. So four and a half years ago, I was at the worst that I'd ever been. I was completely swollen. I had walked into Streets Alive because I knew that there was something really really terribly wrong with me. I had walked into Streets Alive and it looked like I was nine months pregnant and my eyes were completely yellow. Every part of my body was swollen and I was scared. Right? I, I wasn't sure what was really going on. So I asked if they could help me to get into detox one more time because I, I, I was honestly scared I was going to die, which sometimes is really odd because when I was drinking and stuff, sometimes I didn't even care if I lived or died, and that's how that's how bad it was for me. But I finally had this this moment where I, you know, I, I, I needed to do something. And so I cr pretty much crawled on my hands and knees there. And so they got me out to detox. And when I went to detox, they had to hospitalize me because of my withdrawals and, and from the drugs and the alcohol was so bad. I, could, I was shaking so bad and I was just crying and I knew there was something deeply wrong with me so they, they had to hospitalize me and I went to the hospital and they started doing tests on me and the doctor said to me, he said, he says, you have a choice, Shauna. He walked in and he did, had to finish all the tests and he says, all your organs are starting to shut down and you have cirrhosis of the liver. He says, if you choose to go back out there now, you will die. And for me, that was just like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I, this is really going to kill me. You know, what, and, and it was really, what happened is I ended up getting on my hands and knees and I ended up asking God. I said, okay, God, praying to God, because people had shown me there was a God, but I never ever kept him in my life for a long time. And so I, I had asked, I got on my hands and knees and I prayed to God. I said, okay, God, if you get me through this one more time, if you help me to, to get through this one more time, I'm going to do this. And I promise I will, never have, I will never drink or use drugs again. And from that day, I've been sober and clean ever since. And it was... <laughs> It it, uh, it definitely wasn't easy uh, to get sober and clean. I, I I did the detox and then I did the treatment thing, and I had I had lots of love and support from uh, Streets Alive, and you know they helped me and they put me into their housing and stuff, and they offered me the house that I had gone into. And for me, uh, it where I had been and been in jail and stuff, I always felt like places were like institutions. But when they offered me this home and I went into it and it was like this beautiful home and you know I had my own room and I had like warm clean blankets and I had you know a kitchen I could walk in and I could open up the fridge and I could take you know whatever I wanted to eat out, out at that time and for somebody that was that was on the streets and absolutely had nothing you have no idea what that meant to me 
It gave me back dignity in my life. It gave me back uh, the feeling of self-worth that maybe I do deserve this better life. Maybe it is okay for me to actually go and be able to go into a kitchen and, and be able to have food and not have to steal it or anything and have a nice backyard and have people that just loved and supported me wherever I went, right? I started, you know, oh, these doors started opening and next thing I knew they were, put, God, God was putting like place, people in my life that were helping me and showing me what I had to work through, but that was just the beginning, right? They offered me counseling. They sent me to counseling, so I had to do some hard work from the trauma from my past, so I went to Crossroads Counseling, and I started working on the things from my past, like all the trauma, and I started to deal with stuff, and then next thing I knew, like, months were going by and I was getting sobriety and for me that was amazing because you can tell ask any one of my friends that knew me back then I was the one they figured that was going to die out there and so I started getting the proper counseling I started doing programming and learning how to live all over again because when you're out there you totally forget how to live like you have no responsibilities when you're out there so I had to learn how to pay bills again I had to learn how to trustee money and what I did for the first little while is I allowed Streets Alive to trustee my money because I couldn't even trust myself with a lot of money, right? And so they, they helped me do that as well. And then just being in a safe home and learning how to live and do chores and mow a lawn and, and doing it with pride and giving my sense of self-worth back, that's what I got from all that. And then next thing I know, I, like, I have no idea how they did it, but the Streets Alive offered me a job, and I was like, really? You want to hire me? You know, have you, you know where I came from, and you're offering me a job? And I, and I was pretty grateful, and I was pretty blessed, and I had to think about it because most of the clients that were coming in were people that I used to use drugs and stuff with. So I actually got to, to work with them as well. And so four years later now, I, you know, I started working in the pin bank and then all of a sudden, like two years ago, Julie asked me if I wanted to start work working with the women because by then I'd actually been able to live on my own, pay my rent and have a place to call home for like the first plate basement suite I had, I had over for a year and the landlord came down and he says, do you, would you like to uh, start your lease again? And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, you're you're available to start the lease again or you can move and I was like well I've never had that before usually I've always got kicked out of places right I have an option <laughs> so and you know and I was able to make sure like all my bills and stuff are paid and wow you know that just gave me so much excitement in my life that I was I was living you know what people call like normal right and I was doing a good job I had some money in the bank and I was able to go and buy something if I wanted to and that was the meaning of it behind it and so now, uh, I, now that I am the assistant director of the w gym women's program, now I get to watch other successes, right? We have a women's recovery house, two women's recovery house. We have one that's uh, first and second stage. So that's pre-treatment or post-treatment uh, pre and then after treatment, which we pre-treatment is that they go to detox and if we wanna be the gap filler. So between sometimes detox and treatment there's a gap you can get them out to detox they're there for six days but sometimes there's a gap that you have to wait because there's a waiting list for treatment so we want to fill that gap so what we do is we'll take the client after they've done their detox put them in our house and then we wait and then we take them to treatment and then after treatment 
we reassure them that we say, here, you got another 30 days or however long the treatment center is, and then we have it, their bed is still safe, so they have a place to come back to, right? And that's really important because if you don't have that, where do you go? right? Where do you go between treatment or detox and treatment, right? You go right back to what you used to. So we want to be those gap fillers that we want to make sure that they have that safe place and the love and support to come to back when they're done those things. And then that's when the real work starts for them. So then we have phase two, which is programming. So what we do is we have, it, we have our own building now on Fifth Avenue South, and they come in every day, it's like a job for them is what we do because we believe in keeping them busy and, and getting things done. So from 9 o'clock till 3 every day, they're required to do programming in the house. And so they do um, different courses. We have, our, we have healthy boundaries for toxic relationships. We have mixed media journaling, which speaks to the soul of the women. We have 12-step work. Um, dealing with relevant issues like isolation, rejection, and significant family members and significant others, quieting the voice of shame and guilt and enabling and so much more. And so we do a lot of hard work with them and that they're, be, they're able to gain their self-worth and stuff back. We know that most addictions are trauma-based, so our program is, is, is focused on a lot of heart issues and that we, and that we out outsource counseling for any of our other participants who want to go. So we have a place called Crossroads Counseling that we work really close with together. So we will send them to Crossroads Counseling so that they're able to get the proper help that they need for trauma or depression or anxiety. We also send them to mental health as well. We have two clients that have, done, have gone to mental health and have done successfully well. Um, we do that to ensure that at the end of their mental health is better than at the beginning. The stigma of recovery needs to be dismantled with compassion. We have compassion, right? When they walk through our doors, it's not, oh, okay, you've done this, you've done this wrong. It's like, what can we do to help you to move forward? Where can we start? What are the basis of what we need to do to help you? And we, we don't... Um, and we also have it like in our house. We, we, do, we do know there is relapses and stuff in the house. So we're very like, if they relapse, they're still, because the, the, the house is abstinence. There's no alcohol, there's no drugs allowed. There's um, no guests over. The rules are, they have curfews. Uh, they have things like they can't have their cell phones for 30 days. Uh, so we have pretty strict rules in the house. And the one house that we've been there for, we've had for almost seven years, we have not had one complaint in the seven years that it's been there. Um, the women have moved on, to the, some of the women that have moved on to our third stage housing are actually, and it's, it's, it's so, uh, such a great success to see. We have two, one is going to the college, she wants to get into social masters, so she's been with us for well over a year now. We have two other women that, that are successfully back out in the workforce with amazing jobs and doing really, really well. We have one girl, she just got her children back and just moved into her own house and is doing really well. She, so she, what she does every day, she still believes in our programming and the love that we have for her. So she'll take her kids to daycare and still come and do our programming throughout the day. And we allow that. We also allow women that are out in the community because there is some people that are still troubled or whatever, but have houses or just got no support or whatever. So we will also bring people like women in from the community as well to take our courses to keep them busy. 
Um, we also, at Genesis, we help navigate people through the systems which are intimidating and overwhelming. So a lot of the women that they want to get into get help and stuff financing is a really big problem like getting help from the government and stuff and so what i pick to particularly do is i help them to go to alberta works and stuff and if it's to get into our program and stuff i help them to get on the funding and things that they need or i navigate them to certain counselors or i navigate them through age work or whatever it seems that they need i help to do that as well and even housing as well we 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 help them to get on um, lethbridge housing if they're a you know, um, have kids or, you know, even if they're single in order and stuff, we try to do that. Um, uh, we we never ever say, you know, like, oh, I forgot the part about we relapse. Um, if they relapse and they come back to us, we tell them we it's mandatory for them to go back to detox and probably back to a treatment center. So we don't 100% give up on them. And once they've moved on and even out our doors, we still don't. We're still always there to support them 100%. If they come back to us and they need something, whether it's a phone call, they need food, or they need any kind of things, we help to get the resources to still help them because we don't believe on giving up on anybody even after they've left our program. Uh, we do have a men's program as well right now that just started. It's called Exodus and is running amazingly. It's got uh, quite a few men in it. They're running almost the same kind of program that, way up, that we are. So it has the first, the second stage, and the third stage as well. And we've seen quite a bit of success in the, in the while that it's been working. Um, they are required us to do the same rules and programming as we have for our women. It's, it's pretty much, there, there's a few differences, but not a lot. And we've already seen really great successes in the men's program as well. Um, two of the men are getting ready already to move out on their own. They've got good jobs, they're working hard, and you know they finished doing their programming and stuff, and so we've seen this success. But success doesn't always mean that they've always moved out into houses. Success is also just seeing a client come in for a brief 10 minutes, if it's in the streets alive, and just come in, and, or even to, into my building and have an hour conversation and talk to me about wanting to recover, right? That hour of sobriety that, that, ha that they have, or the feeling that they get when they put a nice pair of warm socks on, or a nice warm jacket when they're out in the, out in the, the winter and the weather, that's success to them too. We have big successes and we have small successes and we acknowledge them all because without acknowledging them, where's the hope for them to get better? And we are a faith-based program, so we do have our faith and we, we believe strongly that our faith has helped in many, many cases. I know I wouldn't be here if I never found a God in my life to help me to be able to get to where I am, plus the supports and everything else that I have. So, yeah, that's all that I have to say. <laughs>